Welcome to another inspirational message from London Live Church. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. Welcome to church. How are you doing? How are you doing? Good, good, good. If there are, there are still people coming in, so if there's seats in the middle, can we move? So there's, so there's seats at the side, if that's okay. I know people don't like moving, but I made the announcement. Thank you. So some of you don't know who I am. I used to be the pastor of this church. Am I? Okay. And uh, the, only, the only group that I'm in left in, because I hate WhatsApp groups. I used to have be in WhatsApp groups, like 27 of them in the morning. And um, I don't know if you know anything about WhatsApp groups, but um, people join you to WhatsApp groups. And then people join you to WhatsApp groups without your permission. And then when you leave, they get upset. They go like, why, why have you left that group? Have we upset you? And the only group that I'm still in is uh, a WhatsApp group with Natalie and Karen. And we started it off with, um, with the kids. And the picture of the kids were, this was seven years ago? Seven years ago. And so we still have this group. And I'm looking at Lydia. Um, Lydia, can you stand for a second? Because Lydia's important. Lydia, um, please clap for Lydia. Lydia is responsible for, um, you can sit now. Lydia is responsible. So when, when we started this church, it was, we didn't have many ch- any children, really. And Lydia came along, and she started teaching our children. And not only did she teach them, she baptized them. I think half the class was baptized through her leadership. And just really wanna, I never had an opportunity to really do that in front of the church. just really want to thank you for that. Um, but I'm not going to try not to speak for very long. Beware of speakers that say they're not going to speak for very long. Um, but what I want you to do is to indulge me in a little bit of a quiz and to see just whether it's my thinking that seem to be associations in the Bible. So I've wrote, written down a few things. Cain and Abel. Yes, that's an association. So if I say Adam and... Okay. David and... Daniel in the... Jonah and the... Okay. Ah, oh, there you go. So today, I just want you to, the, the sermon has a different title. It will come up. Will it come up? There we go. It, this wasn't the title a few uh, minutes ago. The title before was, It's Not About the Fish. And so I want you, as you turn to your Bibles or whatever, your tablets or whatever you have, to go to Jonah, because I'm literally going to look at Jonah, and I've been looking at Jonah because we normally look at this book through, um, through the eyes of children. I don't know if you've done, uh, done children's stories. And when you look at children's stories, uh, they, there are wonderful stories. But what I want you to know, that on closer inspection, the story of Jonah has got nothing to do with a fish. It's not really the reason of the story. And I want to uh, basically talk to you about that type of story. So the scripture reading is going to come up. Um, Jonah chapter 4. And I'm going to read it from, from here. Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 to 3 says, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Now, what he seems very wrong about is that God has been kind, and Jonah became angry, and he prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to stop by going to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to get anger, and abounding in love. I knew this, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, 
take away my life. Kill me, he's Jonah saying, for it is better for me to die than to live because kindness in this situation kills. Let us pray, dear God. Um, we're just going to look at the story of Jonah. I'm asking that you move your weight around, that, you, that we open our hearts and listen to what you have to say to us, including me. It's my prayer in your name. Amen. The question we have to ask ourselves in this uh, reading, in this story, is this. Are you okay with God loving your neighbors or people that have hurt or wronged you? Are we okay with that? Very difficult. I'm going to tell you from my point of view that I'm not, that I struggle. Does anybody else struggle? Struggle. I struggle with this deeply. And I'll tell you what also gets really on my nerves, and maybe it doesn't get on your nerves, but this gets on my nerves. Do you know when um, you spend your time talking about somebody, because you do talk about people, and you go, do you know what, I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they did this. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And you both agree that they're wrong. And that person walks into the room, and the person that you're with goes, oh, you are right, mate? Oh, we've really, we've really missed you. Where have you been? And you're standing there looking at them going like, hold on, a minute ago, you were on my side. How did you switch like that? How did you suddenly become so kind? Weren't you with me going there out of order? And suddenly, what is going on? What is going on? Thank you for nodding, because it is just me. I'm like, come on. And so, but the problem with this is in Luke 6, verses 27 and 28, it's got this disturbing text, and it's the central theme of Christianity. This is what it says. It says, love your enemies, come on. Do good to those who hate you. Really? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. This is a Jesus sermon. This is Jesus talking to his people on the mountain. This is, he comes along with a manifesto, and he says, I'm going to give you a new version of love. I want you to love your enemies and these other people that you wouldn't talk to again. And if you're old enough like me, you're now thinking like John McEnroe, you cannot be serious. But God is going, yeah, I am being serious. And so with that mentality in mind, we come to the book of Jonah. Now, we know the story of Jonah. Jonah's this guy, and it says in the very beginning that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Prophets are people who are not fortune tellers. They are messengers of God. just want you to know that. They are messengers of God. And so the story says that Jonah, uh, God comes to Jonah and says, I want you to go to Nineveh. It's not the capital city of Assyria. It's a big city of Assyria. It became a capital city many years later, I think around the 13th century. But he says to him, go to this city. And what I want you to realize, Nineveh doesn't mean anything to you. But what I want you to really think about is Nineveh is Moscow. Moscow. Jonah is told to go to Moscow to go and see Putin. Imagine if someone right now told you. You woke up in the morning and God said, morning, I want you to go to Moscow. You go, no, you mean Mark Suspensers? No, 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 no. I, no, no, Moscow. 
And Jonah's going, no, I'm not going to Moscow. And this book is written in poetry. It's written with humor. If you were Hebrew and you're reading this book, you would see the irony of it. And then he goes to Tarshish. Tarshish is like going to North Pole. You'd be going, he really wants to get away. And Jonah goes to Tarshish, the North Pole, the South Pole. What's past the North Pole or the South Pole? Evidently, Tarshish is in Spain somewhere. It's a long way away. And the Bible says that he runs. And while you're reading a story going, I can't believe Jonah's running, theological students, and you're going, where can I go from God's spirit? Where can I hide from his love? The song says, when I am hurting, it comforts me to know nothing can take away your love. Nothing can take away your love. So Jonah, where are you running to? But the Bible says he runs. He's running and he's running and he's running and he gets to a boat and he's sleeping. And they work out somehow. They probably play a game. Let's say whoever gets a double sixes wins or whatever. They work out that by lots, and this is a, they did it when Jesus was dying. This is a, this is a way of getting things uh, dividing. Um, I was playing, what was the game? Scissors. Scissors. But I was playing that. Maybe they didn't have that in those days. They, they did lots. Okay. And they came to a decision that it must have been Jonah. And Jonah says, listen, just throw me over. No, we don't want to do that. And they try to throw me over. Now, you want to tell the wonderful story, but what happened was that Jonah got thrown into the water and then this hotel called, let's call it the Whale Hotel, uh, was opened. And then he was in there in this hotel for three days. But what really happened was that Jonah was thrown into the sea. And what happens when you get thrown into the sea? You drown drowned and maybe he drowned at the bottom of the sea and then the fish got him there is no well the fish uh, got him and he is from there now let me tell you something about Jonah just a little bit of history about Jonah because Jonah is mentioned quite a lot in the Bible Uh, there are some theological students right now that will will be able to tell you that a lot of times if you're in different settings people don't believe this story is true they think it's an allegory purely because the focus is on the fish. But this is not about a fish. This is about something far different. And what you have to realize is that God comes to Jonah and tells him to go to Assyria. Now, Assyria is awful. We have children here. I cannot tell you what they do, but they are brutal. They are brutal. In the old days, in my day, a long, long time ago, the most brutal thing that could ever be said to you as a child uh, is wait until your father gets home. And when that happened, then you had, and if that happened at 11 o'clock and your dad comes home at 7 o'clock, that was a long day because he came home and things were administered to you. In the Bible, there's a story that says the Assyrians are coming and Hezekiah the king is scared. People are scared and Jonah is sent to this place. The Assyrians wiped out, for you, let's call it Russia, Moscow, wiped out 10 tribes of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's how ruthless they are. They used to walk up to people and say, listen, it's like like in a playground. They say, listen, give give me your sweets. And you go, no, no, they're my sweets. Listen, if you don't give me your sweets, and you're like, okay, it's my sweets. And then I come to you. 
And then you think, uh, uh, you, you just give me your sweets. You, you just give it to me because I heard what happened. And there's a beautiful story in Second Chronicles in Isaiah when this happens. Uh, and everybody's scared, but then the king of uh, Assyria gets a bit um, arrogant. And he says, oh yeah, by the way, I'm going to come and kill you and take all your people. But by the way, don't think that your God can help you. Because I heard about you and your God. And as you're reading, you're thinking, oh, you made a schoolboy error then. You involved God. Up until that, you were winning. It's like Russia taking on Wales. But then once you have God, that's why the Goliath story is so amazing. Once you have God, it's amazing. A lot of people think that Goliath is the giant, but what you have to realize is that David is standing on the shoulders of God, and he is the giant, and this he wants for you. So the story simply says that Jonah is in the whale, and he prays this prayer. I've got to read it to you. He says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and he listened to me. And I, with shouts of grateful praise, this is Joshua 2, verses 9, salvation comes from God. This is a very different tune from, jo uh, from Jonah. And the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. I've got to read that again. Jonah says, but I will shout with grateful praise, salvation comes from the Lord. Almost like Psalm 51, where David says, I will tell people, you forgive me, you forgive me, and I will tell people, God, of how great you are. You please forgive me. You forgive, forgive me? I'm going to tell them. And Jonah's in the same situation. He says, I will shout with grateful praise, salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah is the only book in the Bible, the only prophet, where the book is about the prophet. The message is short. The message is, go to Nineveh, tell them repent. If not, in 14 days, they're dead. That's the message. That's all he has to say. The rest of the book is about Jonah. And when you look at the story, you're reminded of different situations. You're reminded of Job. Job come into this place where he thinks that he's done nothing wrong and he's gone through all this suffering and God comes to him and says, listen, I know you think you're a good man, but where were you when I was making the sun and the moon? You're so full of self-importance. Where were you? Where were you? And then Job suddenly, click. And then the next text, bam. And Job gets a double portion of what he had before. Similar to uh, the text in Luke 15. It's my, one of my favorite texts. In Luke 15, you have the story of a prodigal son, a son that goes wayward, a son that goes all the way in the wrong direction. It goes all over the place. And then suddenly, there's this great text. It says, and he came to his senses. Beautiful. It's almost an amazing um, um, exclamation mark. He came to his senses, and it's the divider. You know, now the story has changed. Jonah is supposed to change. It says that I will shout with grateful praise, but seemingly there's going to be a change, but let's see. I don't know whether you, I, I used to have a friend of mine who used to, a Spanish friend, I don't even really know Spanish, and he used to go, he used to say, por favor, all the time, por favor. Por favor, por favor. And this is the moment here. It's like, it's like, I don't know what we say in English. I was thinking, what would I say in English? Uh, when you come to your senses and you go through your life and you, and you see a situation, some of you have been through stories, and you go, ay, 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 ay. You see it. You see it. 
you, you replay the, I don't know what age we are, video, the DVD, whatever we play, we watch, we replay the story. It's, it's cheap. And then one of the people that came in the market that ruined their market was Ikea. Ikea came in with incredible design. But there was something else that Ikea came up with. Ikea came up and held on to the notion, not only of incredible design, but you should put it together. Because their research told them that by you putting it together, you think it's more valuable. That you think there is more intrinsic value in you doing it. It's the same psychology, I, was, I preached about this before, about Betty Crocker. Betty Crocker was a, a cake mix that, was, um, that they wanted to have, and they were giving it to 60s women. 60s women were now going to work. They couldn't make a cake. They didn't have time. They were working. So they came up with a cake mix. And they came up with this cake mix, and this cake mix was not selling. Excuse me, fly. Cake mix was not selling, and they went to a, to a focus group. And when they went to the focus group, they said, ah, what you have to do is simply do this. Just put, add an egg. And so on the same thing, they put add an egg. And now you with your cake mix are adding an egg, and now you are using it because you are involved in it. You think the cake is more valuable. You think it's your cake. I'm here to tell you that God does not need you to be involved in the dispensation of grace. It's got nothing to do with you. Doesn't want you to add an egg. Doesn't want you to build it. It's God's doing. God says, listen, the kingdom of God is like a man who has a company, and he has this company, and he wants these workers to come in. So uh, Matthew 20, so the workers come in, and then he says, listen, I'm, please come in, and they all work for him. But 11 o'clock, he goes for his 11s, he goes for his cheese sandwich, and he sees these other guys, and these other guys uh, simply, do you want a job? Yeah, so he comes working. At 4 o'clock, he goes out again for a croissant, because an afternoon croissant is really nice. I remember those croissants, especially one for the guy across the road with some nice bit of butter, a case of some cheese, and he sees these workers. Do you want to come and work for me? Yeah, of course, come and work for me. 6 o'clock, they come for their wages. He gives the 6 o'clock guys the same money as the 4 o'clock guys, as the 11 o'clock guys, as the 9 o'clock guys who started from the morning, and the 9 o'clock guys are like, nah, this is wrong. You are bang out of order. You are wrong. We should get paid more. And the owner of the factory says, listen, it's my factory. I can give out kindness. I can give out money however I want. And that's what Joshua knows. He knows that this God, while we're thinking that where is God, where is God? He's left me. He's abandoned me. Joshua knows. No, he's not. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He's a God who relents from sending calamity. You should take a picture of this because some of you think God is sending calamity in your life right now. It's not God. It's not God. It's not God. This God, this story, which is not about the fish, is a God that wants to be kind to you. So this is what I learned over the last few weeks of thinking about this sermon. When I first started thinking about this sermon, I was thinking about it, that we should learn how to be more graceful. And we should learn to be how to be for, more forgiving. And we should learn to be nicer 
to our enemies. And then God said to me, no, 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 no. That's not what we're going to preach about today. Maybe we should first learn how to be kinder to ourselves. That we should give ourselves grace. That we should give ourselves forgiveness. That there are things that we're holding up and we're saying, uh, we, we're, we're carrying it around like a, a load. Uh, was it, was his face, I did a Facebook thing this week and it said, if, if you want to fly, you have to let go of the weight. I'm not doing it very badly. Uh, but we have to let go of that. Maybe there's weight that we have to let go of. Maybe there's, God is trying to pull the sack, the burden off us and we're holding on to it. Maybe we think that we have to have it. And God's going, no, I want you to fly. I want you to fly. Often we sit in church and it's about what we do to other people. But I'm asking you to look at this story and be kinder and be more gracious and be more forgiving to yourself because maybe then we will be able to be kinder to other people. I'm going to ask the band to come up as I just close with this illustration. So a lot of you know that... um, A lot of you know that um, I'm just going out of shot and I'm going to come back in shot. A lot of you know that Miroslav and Sladjana got married. You can clap for that. Okay. That's not good. That's not a good clap. I know it's tired. I'll be done. Sorry for speaking. Miroslav and Sladjana got married. That's better. So, I'm me... And what happens with me is that um, they got married, and the fact that I go to the wedding is the present. Okay. My wife, on the other hand, is like, what are we going to buy them for a present? I'm like, I don't know. You, you, you decide. And so she decided. She bought these tickets. We went on a, um, she found this thing called the Gospel Brunch. And the Gospel Brunch was at this restaurant. Uh, and we went to this thing, and it was like uh, really good food in the middle of London, and um, as well as good food, they do gospel singing. And so they have this group that come and sings. And we went first, and they were amazing. They basically sing songs from Six to ha- Oh, Happy Day. And um, uh, what, they sang all these songs. But basically, there were t- 200 people in this restaurant. And by the end of it, the restaurant is dancing. I know a lot of you are sitting in church going, I'm in church. I was at a restaurant with people singing Oh, Happy Day. And they were up dancing. You taught me how. They were like, they were on fire. And so Andrew said, let's, 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 let's take them there. So we took them there. And what was our fear? Our fear was that, do you know when you go somewhere and it's amazing the first time? Our fear was that it wasn't going to be as good the second time. So we were a bit fearful about this. And so they came, Sladjan and Miroslav came, uh, and we go to the restaurant. But as we walk into the restaurant, uh, I'm calling Miroslav, and he says, as soon as you uh, see me, as soon as you get to the door, you can see me. And I saw him right there. I'm outside, and he's right there. And the stage is right there. What happened was that my, my wife's colleague is actually a manager, the manager of this restaurant. And he'd given us a VIP stand. Now, we didn't realize at the beginning it was VIP, we didn't realize that there was a bottle of vegetarian can- champagne. That's my story anyway. And we, we didn't realize, and we sit in there, and we're going from there. And then they brought in uh, the, the starters. And they brought these starters, and it was a massive plate of ham and all these meats, which I don't eat. And I said, listen, I don't, I don't eat. have you got a vegetarian option? And he said, yeah, but it was loads of it. 
And so he brought two plates, which was loads, and I got up, and I went to where he was going. He was going to get another two plates. And I said to him, listen, listen, that's enough, man. He said, no, Paul, Paul, hey, Paul. He said, he said listen, it's, 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 in, it's in the price. It's in the price. And I want to do this. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay, because I hadn't, I hadn't clocked that I was getting a VIP treatment. So we sat there. We got the VIP. Listen, there was, the, there was Jay, the manager. There was another guy, Matthew, looked after us. There was another guy. Are you okay? The service was incredible. Yes or no, Mira? Service was out of this world. Out of this world. Music came on. Ah, amazing music. People parting. It was incredible. It was wonderful. But what you have to do at the end of the evening is that you have to pay for your drinks bill. So if you had orange juice, whatever you were drinking, you have to pay for that additionally. So I went up to the guy at the end of the evening and I said to him, listen, really want to thank you so much. I had to go to his other restaurant. I said, really want to thank you. So can you send me the, uh, the, the drinks menu? And then I told you the drinks bill and I'll pay the drinks bill. And he went, no, 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 no. He said, it's sorted. What do you mean it's sorted? He said, yeah, yeah, me, me and Jay are sorted. I went, no, 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 no. Got to pay. You guys have been so kind to me. I got to pay. He said, no, he said, it's sorted. And then I'm, I feel like I'm going to have a fight, but it's a gift, yes? It's a gift. So I shook his hand and said, really, thank you. Thank you so much. And for about eight times, he said this. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's what we do here, Paul. It's what we do here. So what do you mean what you do here? He says, listen, can I speak to you for a minute? So we sat outside and he said, yeah. He said, listen, you've been here twice. Tell me anything. Is there something wrong with the service? Uh, you've been here twice. Is there anything you want to say? I said, no, it's incredible here. I said, my only advice is for you to keep on doing what you're doing. He went, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And I walked away all week with God in my ear saying to me, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure to be kind to you. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Amen. This is the end of this broadcast. We hope you have been encouraged and inspired. For more information, please visit londonlifechurch.com.